Welcome to the Data Danoon Conversation Series. My name is Kate Coucher and I am lecturer in art history at the University of St Andrews. The Data Danoon Conversations are a three-part podcast series that accompanies the exhibition Data Danoon Modern African Art from the Argyle Collection. This is an exhibition that I am curating and that will open at the Danoon Borough Hall in May 2021. It's an exhibition that features 12 works of modern art from East and Southern Africa, all bought in the 1960s and 70s for a public art collection in Argyll and Butte on the west coast of Scotland. This exhibition is the product of a research project. It's a project that involves the writer Naomi Mitchison, who lived in Argyll and was responsible in the 1960s for setting up a public fund to buy art for the county's children, as well as a generation of remarkable painters and printmakers who she met on her travels in East and Southern Africa in the 60s and 70s. So to accompany the exhibition, I thought it would be fun to host a series of conversations on related themes so that we might extend the story a little bit. So to that end, I have invited some friends, writers, historians, artists, educators, Argyle residents to join me over the course of the exhibition to talk a little bit more about Mitchison, about modern art in East Africa in the era of independence, and about how this little collection in Argyle and Butte could, we hope, be a resource for classrooms across Scotland and further afield. Now, as a way of introducing the series of conversations that will accompany this exhibition, I thought I would just share a little bit about where the project to get to know these works began. It began a couple of years ago when I was looking for an example of a painting by the Tanzanian artist Samuel Intiro to use in a lecture that I was giving. One of the first images that came up in an online search was the painting Chopping Wood that was housed in this thing called the Argyle Collection. And of course, I had no idea what that was. I quickly learned, of course, that the Argyle Collection was this public art collection that Naomi Mitchison had founded in the very early 1960s, working with the artist and art teacher Jim Tyre. It had been a real passion project of hers to set up this small fund of money that could buy modern art. She wanted modern, quite provocative, interesting conversation-starting art. The collection was mostly Scottish art, though she did buy pieces um, in England as well. And it was all supposed to be works that would travel around the schools of Argyle and be used in classrooms. This, of course, led me to the next question, which was how did Samuel Intero end up in this collection? How did a painting from Tanzania end up here? So I found Intero's painting shortly before I moved from the US to start my job at St Andrews. And I was really excited about the prospect of having one of his paintings actually in Scotland. From what I could see online, Intero wasn't the only African artwork that was in this Argyle collection, but the others seemed to have very little information about them, and in some cases the artist's name was not fully recorded. So as soon as I arrived in Scotland, I contacted Argyle and Butte Council, and I asked if I could look at these paintings and if anybody could tell me any more about them. And that was really the start of my relationship with Madeleine Conn, the cultural coordinator of Argyle and Butte, with whom I have been uh, working on the exhibition Data Danoon. Madeleine wrote back saying that not much was known about these works, apart from the fact that they had been bought by Mitchison in the 1960s. Madeleine had done her best to track down some of the records, but not all of the artist's details had been well recorded when the paintings had arrived, and over time a lot of the associated details had become overlooked. 
This struck me immediately as an important art historical project. Here were modern paintings and prints from the 1960s, the era in which many African nations emerged from colonialism, the moment in which new creative energies flourished in many parts of the continent. We really needed to know who made these works and how they had ended up here in Scotland. So to this end, I got a little funding from the University of St Andrews and I paid two wonderful undergraduate research assistants, Meredith and Ellie Kem, who are going to participate in a conversation later in this series. And the three of us all went over to Argyll, to Loch Gilped, in fact, in 2019. So there are 12 paintings and prints that we can confidently assume came from East and Southern Africa. But as I said, the records that were associated with them were fairly minimal. Madeline was able to show us some letters from Mitchison. We were able to see some documents around uh, insurance details for the collection. But we also spent a lot of time just very closely physically examining all of these works, which in 2019 were being kept in Loch Gilpet High School. We looked at them closely, we deciphered signatures, we did a lot of internet super sleuthing and looking at historic books from the 60s and 70s to see if we could track down artists' names. And ultimately, we reached out to academic contacts in Uganda, in Tanzania, and in the US. And through all of these efforts, we've been able to confidently attribute 10 out of 12 of the works to known, and in many cases, really quite renowned artists. Samuel Entiro, who I started this very project with, is one example. Now, he is the only person whose name was actually known at the start of this. Madeleine knew that this was a painting by Samuel and Thierry, but she didn't know much more about how the painting had arrived in Argyle. And Thierry is a really well-known Tanzanian artist. Uh, he's also just a very important African modernist. He's an artist really of the 60s. He had trained at uh, what is now a very prestigious art school at Makerere University in Kampala, Uganda. He had also had a scholarship to the Slade in London. But once his country, then called Tanganyika before it combined with Zanzibar to become Tanzania, when Tanganyika gained its independence, Sam went home to Dar es Salaam and he sought to serve his country as a diplomat. His first posting was to the UK. He came as High Commissioner to London. He was later ambassador to Ireland as well. All the while, he maintained his painting practice. He painted these remarkable scenes of uh, rural life in the villages uh, in the foothills of Mount Kilimanjaro, where he had grown up. Now, in Loch Gilped, we found a letter from Sam and Tiro sent to Danoon in 1967, accompanying his painting, Chopping Wood, which he sent along with a photograph of himself. In another letter, we read Mitchison describing with great excitement that she had managed to buy a work of Sam and Tiro's, because in fact, by the late 1960s, he was in real significant demand. He had had a painting bought by MoMA in New York in the early 1960s, and by the late 1960s, he was actually about to move into a position working for the Tanzanian government as cultural commissioner. And there was some concern that once he took on that position, he would no longer be able to make money from his art. And so Mitchison wrote with joy to Jim Tyre that she had been able to acquire this painting and it was a real coup for Argyle. 
Now, Antero is just one of the artists. Mitchison bought paintings by Zambia's most famous modern artist, Henry Tayali. She bought a painting from the Kenyan painter, Hezbon Awiti. She bought a, a very wonderful uh, early wax crayon drawing by the very beloved Ugandan artist, Jack Katarakawe. And she bought four prints from the very first class of printmaking students who graduated from Makerere College in Kampala in 1965. Now, all of these works were bought on the African continent. Mitchison herself had begun traveling frequently to East Africa in the early 1960s. This is a longer story than I am planning to tell today, but join us for our conversation about Mitchison and I will expound. In 1960, she met a young man called Linchwe, who was the designate chief of the Bagatla people, who are an ethnic group who live on borderland between what is now Botswana and South Africa. And her friendship with Linchwe, which began in 1960, lasted um, several decades. She and Linchwe became very close and she visited him frequently in the town of Motudi, which is the administrative centre of the Bogatla people, not far from Gaborone, which is currently yeah, the capital of modern Botswana. But it was on her journeys to Motudi that Mitchison flew through cities like Nairobi, Kampala, Dar es Salaam and Lusaka. And when she visited these places, she evidently went to some of the most important galleries and universities and creative centres and bought works of modern art. Now, one of the most exciting discoveries in our research has been to find that two of the artists are still alive. They're now in their late 70s and early 80s. Mitchison had bought their work in Kampala in the mid-1960s when they were then undergraduate students. Their names are Louis Azaria Mbaguni and Catherine Nankia Katanoko Gombe. And neither of them had any idea that their works had ended up in Scotland. So it's really wonderful that we're able to exhibit them in our exhibition with uh, full attribution. And many of the artists that Mitchison bought were, of course, very young artists when she purchased their work. That's the exception being Sam and Tiro, who was perhaps the most established. Most of them were young students at Makerere College, or they were self-taught artists hanging out in places like the Kemkemi Creative Centre in Nairobi. But in many cases, these are artists that went on to have very notable national, regional and international careers. Now, of course, nobody in Argyle really had the capacity to keep up with such careers, and so the significance of these early works became gradually overlooked. Part of what Meredith, Elikem and I have been doing is researching the lives of these artists after Mitchison bought them so that these works can be celebrated as early historic examples. So I've already said why I think this matters really in terms of the fact that this is a historic collection, I think, of works from the era of independence. I really also think this work matters because these works belong to a collection that was bought to serve educa an educational purpose. They were bought so that children could look at them and learn something about the world. Prior to the research that our project has produced, these were works that couldn't really tell stories beyond the fact that they came from Africa. But we now hope that they can be used to explore the biographies of individual artists, to learn about specific locations in East and Southern Africa, to explore urban life, politics, rural life, portraiture, animal studies, printmaking practices, I, I really think there are many, many possibilities. One of the main reasons that Mitchison bought these works was, as she wrote in a later book, because she hoped that they might build bridges of understanding. She wanted children in rural Scotland to get a taste of the energies and the excitement that was burgeoning in places like Nairobi and Kampala in the 1960s. 
Amidjison supported the various fights for independence, and she was a vocal critic of apartheid. But she also thought that rural Scotland, particularly the Highlands, had things in common with Africa after independence. In Scotland, she said that the legacy of the clearances and the social tumult of the 19th century had left a kind of continuing tension around balancing regional or clan identities with emergent national ones. She saw parallels with the negotiations between traditional governance of ethnic groups like the Bagatla in Mochudi and new national identities in places like Botswana, Zambia, Kenya, etc. So these artworks were in part, I think, collected to serve as a point of connection between two regions of the world that she felt had more in common than might first appear. We will have a lot more time to dig into all of this in the conversation series, including indeed questions of whether Mitchison romanticised both her relationship with rural Scotland and the places on the African continent that she visited. I do hope that you will be able to join us for the series, even if you're unable to travel to Danoon to see the exhibition itself. Do check out our website, datadanoon.com, for the full podcast schedule. I'm very much looking forward to sharing these conversations with you.